Hello, and welcome to the Design for Greatness podcast, conversations with Candace to help you elevate your mind, body, and spirit, and own your divine greatness. Today, you have episode number eight, Perfection or Connection? You decide. Oh my goodness, you guys, I am so grateful to get this podcast out there. This subject of perfectionism, it is one that is so ingrained into me, and I'm done with it. Seriously, when I started this podcast back in October, it was such a huge monumental step for me. I had dreamed of getting to a place in my business where I could have my own podcast, and I'm so grateful to actually be doing it. I truly put my entire heart and soul into each episode that I create. I gather information, I research, I write and rewrite and edit and revise. I fine tune each episode to the best of my ability. Podcasts have been such a huge part of my journey, of my education and of my growth. And I am seriously so grateful for them. So I hope that by spreading more light and truth through this podcast, I can pay it forward and bless the lives of others. Which reminds me, are you enjoying this podcast? If so, will you please leave me a five-star review and share it with your friends? Even if you've left me one already, would you just take two minutes and do this for me? It truly helps me more than you know. I would love more people to find me and to find this podcast. And it is through your ratings and reviews and shares that this happens. Together we rise. I need your help and I truly appreciate it. Okay, so back to my podcasting experience so far. I really am excited about doing this podcast. And I know it is what I'm supposed to be doing at this time. However, back in January, I had a stark realization about my podcast. During Christmas break, I completely checked out of everything. And I was just simply present with my family. I stepped entirely off the hamster wheel and it felt amazing. I recognized how exhausted and overwhelmed I was and just how much relief it was to let go of it all for a bit and to just stop. I realized that I had dedicated such an immense amount of time and energy to my business, but specifically to the process I go through to produce a podcast episode that I was completely burned out. Instead of my podcast being a source of fulfillment, you guys, it was actually draining me. It was feeling more like pressure. Like every time I would create a podcast, it was this huge mountain that I needed to cross. And instead of what I was hoping it would be, just simply a heartfelt gift that I get to offer the world. I always envisioned creating podcast episodes as a fun way to share my knowledge and experiences. However, along the way, I started missing the mark. By stepping away for a moment, I recognized that the stress and pressure I was putting on myself, I knew it wasn't healthy. So I did what I've learned to do when issues arise. It was time to get curious, not furious. By getting curious and stepping back for a moment, I realized what was at the core of the issue with my podcasting experience. You guys, I was trying to be perfect. Ugh, no wonder I was stalling out, right? 
the signs, symptoms, and repercussions of falling into a perfectionist mentality were all there. I felt like each episode had to be exactly perfect, spoken with total eloquence, well-documented, entertaining, full of powerful quotes and touching stories. I wanted each episode to be life-changing and totally mind-blowing. Yikes! Talk about unrealistic expectations. No wonder it became such a daunting task. I was putting so much pressure on myself with thoughts like, the whole world has access to this, it better be flawless, and what are people going to think about you if it's crappy? I had unintentionally let perfectionism sneak into this podcast, and it was totally shutting me down. There is a saying that I know to be true. New level, new devil. I envision growth as an upward spiral journey, ever progressing toward becoming like God. Perfectionism is definitely one of my weaknesses. Every time I up-level or put myself out there in the world in a new way, as I circle back around, the old insecurities and weaknesses I've dealt with in my past will often creep up on me in new ways. It's just how it goes. Because of this upward spiral journey of growth, we get to practice how we overcame the trials in our past and make sure that the growth we are experiencing goes from our head to our hearts, to our bones. As we spiral upward and solidly ingrain these lessons and ways of being that are in more alignment with who we really are, we get better and better at avoiding the pitfalls of our past. This upward spiral of growth is a beautiful process, but it can be so frustrating, especially when we realize we haven't quite conquered a past lesson and we get to go through it again. This podcast is giving me the opportunity to practice shifting from perfection to connection over and over again. By putting myself out in the world in this new vulnerable way, I am getting a lot more reps at running the empowering thoughts that reframe my thinking and rewire my brain. Hopefully, as I repeatedly engage in this process, I'll develop the muscle memory to automatically stay in a growth mindset. I will stay in an attitude of connection and transformational love for God, myself, and others. Now, I know it sounds strange, but I am so grateful to be struggling with this over the past few months, truly, because getting pulled and deceived into perfectionist thinking is so natural and easy, especially in the society that we live in. I am thankful for this exercise in recognizing and eliminating perfectionism as I firmly commit to producing quality podcasts that may not be perfect, but will definitely be good. Friends, my experiences over the past few months have shown me once again how imperative it is that we shut down perfectionism. When I stepped back at this point in my life and curiously without judgment observed what was really going on with my perfectionism, I learned a profound truth that I want to share with you. Perfection is incompatible with connection. They are mutually exclusive. I've noticed that when I fall into perfectionism, I isolate myself. I isolate myself from God and from others. Now this isn't on purpose, but it happens. 
It's like there's this sense of urgency to do something exactly right and pressure that it's all on me to figure it out. I become rigid and extreme in my thinking, and the vibe I put off repels others. I don't want that. Connection comes from being vulnerable with one another and embracing our imperfections with a me too attitude that pops every shame bubble. Connection is built on helping one another through the messiness of being human. Connection realizes I can't do it on my own and I'm not supposed to be able to. Connection knows that I need God and others to help me every single step of the way. How vital it is to decondition the perfectionist thinking, especially if we want our connections with God, ourselves, and others to be strong, meaningful, and empowering. So the question is, Are you a perfectionist? Let's find out. Take this self-test with me to see. I will give you 11 statements. Rank yourself on a scale of one to 10, one being I never do this and 10 being I always do this for the following statements. One, you hold yourself to unrealistic expectations or outrageously high standards and then beat yourself up when you do not meet them. Two, You give other people more slack than you give yourself. For example, you assume the best of others, and if they show up in a bad way, you tie it to their circumstances or give them the benefit of the doubt. But when you show up in a bad way, you assume the worst of yourself. Three, you lack self-compassion and often beat yourself up for flaws. You disregard your own circumstances and demand perfection no matter what. Four, You are uncomfortable celebrating your own wins. You downplay the good things you do and focus on the things that aren't perfect. For example, you could do 99 things right and one thing wrong. Instead of feeling success for the 99 good things, you focus on the one thing that is less than perfect. Five, you use your accomplishments and performance as a measure of your value to this world. When you fail at something, you tie it to your worth and feel like you failed as a person. Five, you perseverate about what others think about you and thrive on the praise of others. You believe they expect you to be perfect, and if you don't meet their expectations, they will criticize you and forever think less of you. You feel a need to convince others you have it all together, never mess up, don't have any weaknesses or flaws, and that everything is great. You're overly concerned with your image and what it tells others about you. Seven, you live in comparisonitis. You compare yourself and your life to what you see on social media, to the experts in your field, to your family, to your friends, to the lady down the street, and you judge yourself accordingly. Eight, you walk into a room and quickly size yourself up against everyone else in the room, ranking where you fit in, feeling a mix of superiority and inferiority. Nine, you engage in excessive and harsh self-evaluation, rejecting anything that is less than perfect. 10, you assume everyone else has it all together and you are the only one that is struggling in some particular way. And last but not least, 11, you get burned out, quit, or don't finish things if they will be anything less than perfect. Okay, how did you do? If you found yourself continually scoring five or greater, this podcast is for you. Listen, 
It is totally normal and super common to have perfectionist tendencies. The good news is I've got you. Stick with me. The tricky thing about perfectionism is it's super sneaky. Striving for excellence by living with high standards can so easily morph into perfectionism over time. In the beginning, at the lower levels of performance or the elementary degrees of competence, doing one's best, especially in areas where gifts and talents lie, can result in high amounts of success and praise. Feeling seen, valuable, important, and special. It's like crack to our souls right? It feels so amazing. Once we experience that, that we are special in an area and we get recognition for it, we want more. It's totally natural and understandable, but if we aren't careful, we can slip into a perfectionist mentality. As I've studied perfectionism again recently, I've realized a pattern that often occurs in individuals who struggle with perfectionism. Perfectionism is very common, and it is especially prevalent in individuals who are talented in a specific area. As they are validated and recognized for standing out in some way, this praise feels so good, and they start to identify themselves as that type of a person. They crave the attention received by excelling and desire to do even better in order to get even more validation. This can very easily lead to the perfectionist mentality if we're not vigilant and aware. Friends, my perfectionism started at an early age, possibly because I had some innate abilities in the classroom and in sports. I had early success for doing my very best, and I began to stand out. I was praised for my accomplishments, and I started to identify myself according to the praise I received. The perfectionist mentality started to drive me. I began to define my identity and my value by the external things people said about me or by my accomplishments that I earned. In an attempt to avoid pride, although I valued this positive feedback, I would quickly dismiss the praise. From that point on, I would just expect it of myself. I noted any weakness or flaw about myself or my performance and focused on that imperfection. I sunk into the habit of focusing on the bad by engaging in excessive negative self-talk. I erroneously thought this mean mind chatter not only was true, but that it was actually good for me because it was keeping me humble. This is a deceitful lie. Do not fall for it. Now, when I was living at home in my pre-college years, so many people contradicted the negative way I would talk to myself in my head that my inner critic didn't cause too much harm. So many people were telling me that I was amazing and talented and smart and good and wonderful, that I believed them despite my mental self-abuse. Now, at the lower levels of competence, perfectionism can promote growth. But as the level of competition increases, the effects of perfectionism get progressively worse and become toxic. Dr. Jason Selk, in his book, Relentless Solution Focus, says, the higher a person climbs on the ladder of success, the fewer the external pats on the back. At the higher levels of competition, a person is left with her own self-talk to determine self-confidence. If that self-talk has been shaped by a perfectionist mentality, anxiety and stress begin to increase and performance and self-confidence decrease. 
As the level of competition increases, so too does the negative impact of the perfectionist mentality. It makes sense now that I look back on it. Getting good grades and excelling in sports came easy to me in elementary school and middle school. I always did my best, and before long, I got recognized for it. In high school, around sophomore year, I was ranked first in my class academically. This impressed a lot of people, and I began identifying myself as the girl who gets perfect grades. Before long, I dismissed my academic success and just expected it. I demanded a 4.0 of myself, and I would do whatever it took to get the grade. I also was playing a sport every season, and when it came to soccer and basketball, I was on varsity as a freshman, which again made people notice me in positive ways. I began to demand perfection for myself in sports, and I identified myself as an athlete who makes things happen for her team. I fell into the habit of downplaying my successes. I also used self-criticism to push myself harder and harder to be better and better. At the high school level, I did grow from trying to be perfect. I graduated as the valedictorian of my grade and was honored as the female athlete of my class. I received scholarships and accolades. However, growth through perfectionism comes at a cost. I based my value on what people thought about me and how well I performed. As long as people liked me and I was recognized by awards and titles, as long as I received a generous amount of external validation, I allowed myself to believe I had value. The extrinsic validation gave me permission to have self-confidence. However, at the college level and then the postgraduate level, this perfectionist mentality that had driven me and brought success in high school became toxic. At these higher levels of competence and competition, I did not stand out like I had in the past. I was not recognized or even noticed for anything I did, even though I was doing great things. As the path on the back or the external validation diminished, so too did my confidence. I had never learned to give myself credit for the things I had done well. My textbook, Perfectionist Mentality, had me totally dismissing my successes and focusing solely on my shortcomings. Pretty soon, in the absence of any external validation, the places where I fell short became all I was able to see. My internal dialogue was full of unrealistic expectations and cruel self-criticism. I didn't have any of the external praise to counteract my negative self-talk, and when that stinking thinking was all I had to go on, I determined I wasn't of much value. The all-or-nothing, rigid mentality of perfectionism, which in the past had set me apart, making me superior to others, now set me apart, making me inferior. It created intense pressure to set higher and higher goals and achieve bigger upon bigger things to prove I was valuable and important. And it was never enough. I was never enough. Perfectionism took me down lonely paths of insecurity, shame, and self-rejection. That is what the long-term poisonous effects of perfectionism are. Insecurity, shame, and self-rejection. This is a tragedy, right? Thinking that we have to be perfect? Listen, reaching perfection is a pipe dream. It's impossible. It will not happen in this life. I love the popular saying that says, 
there was only one perfect person and he had a genetic advantage. Makes us feel a little better about ourselves, right? A few of the reasons why life coaching and cognitive behavioral therapy resonated so powerfully with me is because I finally was able to see my thoughts for what they actually are. Choices, not facts. And I was given the knowledge to understand my lower brain and realize why I did the self-sabotaging things I did. For the first time in my life, this new comprehension allowed me to have compassion instead of criticism for myself. This self-compassion and grace was the key that allowed me to release the perfectionism and truly connect with who I really was. I was finally able to understand who I really am, a precious daughter of heavenly parents with a divine nature and an eternal destiny. Once I truly owned and lived into my divine greatness, I was able to accept and receive genuine validation from the only source of real affirmation my heavenly family. Only after I was able to derive my value and self-confidence from God and myself intrinsically, only then was I able to rid myself of the perfectionism that had plagued me. This is how I was able to lose 60 pounds. This is why I was able to become a life coach despite already having a master's degree in physical therapy. This is the reason I was able to start and successfully run my own business. And it will only be through connection that I will be able to continue to do my podcast in a healthy way. It's all about connection. As we practice deconditioning perfectionism, we will stay in a place of progress and growth. I hope I've made it abundantly clear that seeing this toxic perfectionism sneaking into my life again this time raising its ugly head with my podcast, truly made me so mad and determined to rid myself of it forever. If you see perfectionism in your life, I hope it makes you mad too. Stop trying to be perfect. No more perfectionism. I absolutely refuse to go down that lonely and treacherous road of perfectionist thinking again. I will not sabotage my life like that. And neither will you. It's time to banish perfectionism. Let's do this. The first component of perfectionism is to overlook successes and focus on shortcomings. When we begin to downplay our accomplishments, watch out. Seriously, be aware of any tendency to downplay the good that you do. Let me say it again for those of you in the back. One of the hallmark components of perfectionist mentality is to overlook successes and focus on shortcomings. Being quick to dismiss what one has done well can be a warning sign for toxic perfectionism. Perfectionists don't give themselves credit where credit is due. They take for granted the positive results and end up focusing only on their shortcomings. For example, a basketball player can have a game where they get a double-double, but then says, Yeah, but I missed three free throws. A student could get a 95% on their test, but then say, yeah, but I should have known those two questions that I got wrong. A speaker could give a stunning presentation, but then say, yeah, but I should have been able to get more audience participation. You could have eaten healthy all day long, sticking to your plan, but then say, yeah, but I should have exercised for a full hour. 
Perfectionists undermine themselves because they continually evaluate themselves in a very negative manner. It's good to have high standards for yourself, absolutely. However, focusing on where you aren't measuring up instead of what you are doing well is a very big mistake. There's a universal law, that which you focus on expands. This law is always in effect and it can either work for you or against you. If you continually dismiss your wins and think only about your mess ups, pretty soon all you're gonna be able to see is your mess ups. When your focus remains on where you fall short, you're constantly reminded of how much you fall short. If you're not in the habit of giving yourself credit for even the little things that you've done well, then you're not reminding yourself that you actually can be successful and that you're being successful already in a lot of things. It is absolutely vital you focus on the right things. Jason Selk makes a great comparison. He states, a perfectionist mentality is like having a boss that looks the other way every time you do something well. However, each time you do something short of perfect, your boss is right there chewing you out about your mistake. It wouldn't take long before your self-confidence tanks, right? Now imagine you have a boss who gives you a genuine pat on the back for everything you do well and also pushes you to make improvements where needed. Which boss would you rather work for? Which boss would you perform better for? Do you see it? It is 100% within our control how we treat ourselves, how we talk to ourselves about ourselves. So let's fix this once and for all. There are two very simple strategies that if you incorporate into your daily life will prevent falling into perfectionism. One, celebrate wins and two, find one thing to improve. Celebrating wins is vital. And I want to tell you a secret. It doesn't come naturally. If it is difficult for you to find nice things to say about yourself, Congratulations, you are a human. It is completely normal because our lower brain is wired with this negativity bias. It takes great mental toughness to actually focus on what you do well. So decide right now to get stronger mentally by consistently practicing recognizing your greatness. Do it. When you look in the mirror, congratulate yourself for every little thing that you're succeeding at today. Be your own biggest cheerleader. High five yourself in the mirror. Don't look to outside sources for validation. Commit to giving yourself the affirmation you need. Feel the validation that comes from God. Every single day before you go to bed, I challenge you to congratulate yourself for your done wells. Celebrate your wins. Truly, it is imperative if you are to annihilate perfectionism. And get in the habit of celebrating other people's wins too. Perfectionism lands us in scarcity, in a dog-eat-dog mentality where we think there is only so much to go around and I've got to get mine. Eliminate this by connecting with others and genuinely congratulating them for their wins. When something wonderful happens for them, even if you wish that that would have happened for you, go to their party. Celebrate their success. There's a quote I love. It says, a rising tide lifts all ships. It is so true. When someone gets a great promotion or lands the deal or meets their quota, their win does not mean that you lose. No, 
live in an abundant mentality. Let their win inspire you. If they can do it, so can you. Have an attitude that your victory equals my victory. Together we rise. Celebrate wins of yourself and others to keep you out of perfectionist thinking. On every coaching call in my Body Love program, we start out by having everyone celebrate wins. When my clients balk at this and get super uncomfortable, I remind them of the creation. I love that after every day of creation, where God was creating the world, dividing the light from the day, the waters from the land, creating the plant, the plants and the animals, at the culmination of each day, God would say, it is good. It is good. I love this. He didn't say it's perfect. And he didn't just brush off his work without acknowledging it. He paused and celebrated his win by saying it is good. How important it is that we celebrate wins. Okay, the second strategy is find one thing to improve. Now this creates a monumental shift from focusing on imperfections to focusing on solutions. What is one thing you can do to, to improve? Instead of I should have blank, shift this into the lesson I'm taking from this is blank. This pivot from the problem to the solution, it gets us out of that rigid mindset where we beat ourselves up and into a growth mindset where we actually embrace our failures as opportunities to grow. We accept that there are flaws and that nothing has gone wrong if we make a mistake. We continually strive for growth and understand that by focusing on one thing to improve, we are always progressing. Perfectionism assumes that there is a finish line, a point that we reach where we will finally be enough, have enough, have done enough. If we just work harder and dig a little deeper, we will reach that pot at the end of the rainbow. Listen, this is a total lie. In this life, we are in a continual game of growing and up-leveling. There is no pot at the end of the tunnel or point that we reach when we're done growing. There is an adage I love that says, turn your finish lines into mile markers. Celebrate every mile marker along the way. Absolutely and live in a place where you are always improving, growing, and progressing. Focus on the solution, not the problem. The emphasis is on progress over perfection. As Jason Selk says, when a person learns to emphasize improvement over perfection, progress accelerates. According to Maxwell Maltz in his book, Psycho-Cybernetics, self-confidence is the number one variable for all human performance. We will not outperform our own belief in our abilities. Focusing on problems erodes self-confidence, while focusing on solutions grows self-confidence. So if an individual believes in her ability to accomplish something, then the likelihood of success increases significantly. And if someone doesn't believe she can, if she doesn't have enough self-confidence, then producing the desired result will not be likely. Perfectionist mentality destroys self-confidence at every level of performance. However, by celebrating wins and finding one thing to improve, self-confidence grows. 
Maltz reports that the biggest thing that influences self-confidence is the way we talk to ourselves about ourselves. Reinforce your successes by simply recognizing your done wells. This will improve the way you talk to yourself about yourself, ultimately improving your self-confidence. A growth mindset focused on wins and solutions, it's actually truly abnormal. It is going to take work and practice. If we want to perform at a high level consistently, we need to have the self-confidence of someone that performs at a high level, not of a perfectionist. This requires accountability for maintaining our self-confidence ourselves. Please hear me now. You cannot afford to wait for someone to tell you that you've done well. Instead, you must train yourself to recognize those done wells yourself. Other people are going to become less and less likely to do it for you as the levels of performance and competition increase. So incorporate these two strategies into your life to eliminate perfectionism and grow confidence. Celebrate your wins and focus on one thing to improve. The second component of a perfectionist mentality is unrealistic expectations and self-criticism. With a perfectionist mentality, once you achieve a certain level, you then just expect that of yourself. You tie it to your identity and then raise the bar. This leads to setting a higher and higher expectation of yourself in order to achieve or excel more and more. Being a high achiever and perfect easily gets tied to your worth. When things turn out great, you take all the credit. You deserve it. You worked for it, right? The perfectionist then quickly dismisses the success, but does relish the external validation. However, eventually the expectations become too high. The perfectionist at some point will not be able to reach the unrealistic expectation. At this point, when your perfectionism fails, so does your identity. If I'm not the star athlete, then who am I? If I'm not the number one saleswoman in the company, then who am I? If I can't even get into the program, then who am I? If I'm not fill in the blank, then who am I? Then the self-criticism starts. The mess-ups or failure to reach the impossible starts a barrage of self-loathing. Making a mistake easily slips into believing that we are a mistake. With perfectionism, the less-than-perfect incident becomes a reflection on us as a person. I messed up becomes I am messed up. It's important to use judgment to make decisions, but make sure to judge the behavior, not the person. The perfectionist doesn't know how to do this. If something is not perfect, then it's not even good. The all or nothing mentality takes over. If you don't do it perfectly, then you aren't even good. Rejection of anything less than perfect leads to eventual rejection of self. Shame, isolation, and intense insecurity follow. Assumptions about other people and what they think go hand in hand with unrealistic expectations. The perfectionist insecurity leads to being afraid of what others will think if they know that she really isn't perfect. An urgency to convince others that she has it all together and never messes up and doesn't have any weaknesses develops, leaving the perfectionist as shallow, completely inauthentic, and unrelatable. She loses out on connection 
and deep relationships because she's focused on herself and on being better than everyone else. This is one way that perfectionism repels others. The excessive self-criticism and harsh judgment bleeds into being harsh and judgmental of others, not just yourself. The comparing, competing, criticizing, and judging of self and others further repels people, and it is disingenuine. The isolation is lonely and becomes yet another thing for the perfectionist to beat herself up about. Now, I truly believe analysis and awareness is a critical component of growth. Feedback is good, but self-criticism gives you no slack. Self-criticism ruminates on the failure with obsessive and intrusive cyclical thoughts. The self-criticism born of perfectionism is like poking a sore over and over and over again, or like picking a scab, continually picking the scab. It just hurts and it gets worse. One of my favorite sayings is stop shooting on yourself. If you notice your internal dialogue has a lot of shoulds, such as you should have been able to figure it out. You should have done better. You should have known that. This self-criticism results in even higher unrealistic expectations. Listen, You can't beat yourself up for things you haven't even learned yet or expect yourself to know what to do when you haven't experienced it yet. When you notice all the should, a good way to reframe your thinking is to ask yourself the question, what am I making this mean? Another way unrealistic expectations shows up is say someone says, Candace, you are allowed to make a mistake. And then I say, yeah, unless you're a life coach. Or, yeah, unless you have hundreds of people listening to you. Or, yeah, unless you're a mother of six. This symptom of unrealistic expectations shows up when we expect more from ourselves than from others in our same exact situation. And when we don't give ourselves any slack. This mentality is, others can make mistakes, but not me. Do you see how this isn't realistic or authentic? Listen, no one is more special than anyone else. And this, everyone else can mess up, but I can't, actually repels people. If you believe you might be slipping into unrealistic expectations, ask someone who knows you and cares about you, am I being realistic about this? Ask for help and support. So let's rid ourselves of perfectionism and unrealistic expectations and self-criticism. The strategy I've found and am loving implementing whenever I realize I'm falling into these symptoms of perfectionism is super simple. Cultivate connection. Connection deconditions perfectionist thinking. Perfection and connection are mutually exclusive, just like faith and fear. They cannot coexist. I love this fact. The key to connection is vulnerability, first with ourself and then with others. How, you may ask, do you get vulnerable with yourself? That might seem like a weird concept at first, but hear me out. Being vulnerable with ourself means we are willing to look at and accept our shadow side. It means we're willing to sit in the uncomfortable feelings that mistakes, failures, weaknesses, disappointments, and embarrassments cause instead of ignoring or dismissing them. Allowing and processing your emotions nurtures connection to yourself, 
while hiding them under a rug or pushing them away, pretending that they aren't there, hurts your relationship with you, pushing you toward perfection thinking. Connect with yourself by acknowledging the hard, allowing the difficult, and sitting in it with love and compassion. The key to connecting with ourself is to know to our core that our worth is set and it's infinite. There is nothing we can do to taint our value or to elevate it. By getting affirmation and validation of our worth from God, and then actually believing it and giving it to ourself, this is the key for connection to ourself and to self-confidence. By separating performance, results, and behavior from our worth, we're able to, fe- to face our mess-ups with grace and to love ourselves anyway. Self-compassion is key to connecting with who we really are. Connection with our own self comes from knowing that we're awesome and we are also a work in progress, and there is absolutely nothing wrong or bad about that. Connection with others comes from embracing our imperfections and theirs. There's a saying I love, strive to complete, not to compete. How can you help and how can you receive help? Vulnerability and honesty with a me too attitude is so important. Connection is built as we help one another through the messiness of being a human. Connection knows that I can't do it on my own and I'm not supposed to be able to. Connection knows that I need God and others to help me every single step of the way. As you strive to connect with God, yourself, with your family, friends, and acquaintances, it becomes easy to let go of having to be perfect. I love the C.S. Lewis quote. Friendship is born when one person says to the other, what? Me too. I thought I was the only one. As we are vulnerable, as we find empathy and compassion for ourselves and others, we nurture connection. I love the wise advice. Don't take yourself too seriously. So good, right? Stop it. Stop being so serious. The awkward, embarrassing moments that we inevitably will have can actually be looked at as gifts that draw us closer to those who genuinely care about us. There is so much liberation in being able able to laugh at ourselves. It becomes easier to see that our flaws do not define our identity, but the imperfections actually bring us together. Connection understands we can't do it alone. We need each other. We need help to make it through. Together we rise. One thing I repeatedly ask myself to keep me in connection and out of people pleasing is this powerful question. Am I trying to bless or impress? What is my motive? Am I doing something because it will help someone and because it's in alignment with my highest self and with God? If so, I can be sure it's out of a desire for excellence, not out of perfection or to be seen by man. Perfection was Satan's plan, right? Messing up was Christ's plan. The atonement was not the backup plan. It was the plan. It is our failures that draw us closer to Christ, showing us we need him. We weren't meant to earn our way to heaven by being perfect or by our own merits, but we are here to learn our way to heaven, as Brad Wilcox says. The only way we learn is by screwing up. By ourselves, we will never be enough. But through the atonement, Christ makes us enough. It's all about connection, not perfection. So 
If you notice you're beating yourself up anywhere in your life for not being perfect, ask yourself, is there a way I could attack the issue from connection instead of perfection? It will make all the difference. So we've defined the components of a perfectionist mentality. One, overlook successes. Two, focus on shortcomings. Three, unrealistic expectations. And four, self-criticism. We've outlined three powerful strategies to combat perfectionism. One, celebrate wins. Two, focus on one thing to improve. And three, connection. The last tool I want to share with you is something I came up with as my mind kept returning to ways I could keep perfectionism from ever sneaking up on me again. It's a catchy little phrase. Face it, embrace it, grace it. When it comes to perfectionism, first face it. Imperfections are a reality of being a human. Allow them. Face it. Own up to your mistakes, your weaknesses, your imperfections and failures, your less than flattering moments. Look at it straight in the eyeballs and take extreme ownership for it. Then embrace it. I love how Brene Brown signs off from her podcast. She says, stay awkward, fly your freak flag, embrace the flaws, practice self-compassion. Another thing Brene Brown says is owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love, belonging, and joy. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. So face it, embrace it, and then grace it. Spread grace all over it. Ask for help. Take a break. Lean into your infinite worth and love yourself anyway. Grace isn't earned. It's freely given. It's not a transaction. It's transformational. Christ offers grace to us right where we are in our messiness, no matter what we've done. Combat perfectionism. Face it, embrace it, grace it. Now, I want to make it clear, I'm not suggesting we settle for anything less than our best or accept mediocrity and rest on our laurels. No, not at all. A dedication to excellence is powerful, but a dedication to perfection is toxic. For sure, set goals, have high aspirations, live with inspiring dreams, have visions of your future that ignite a flame in your soul. However, when setbacks come, and they will undoubtedly come, the way you respond determines whether you are operating from a growth mindset or a perfectionist one. The difference is the person striving for excellence sees the messiness inherent with the 50-50 of life as an opportunity to grow, a place to improve and learn. The person striving for perfection sees mistakes or setbacks as a blow to themselves. The person striving for excellence progresses at a calm, consistent, steady pace because their worth is sure. And it is gained and maintained through intrinsic validation. The one striving for perfection often works at a frenetic pace, trying desperately to earn something or to prove something. This frequently leads to burnout and overwhelm. 
So for sure, be excellent, but don't do it for recognition or validation or status or to earn something. When it comes to external validation, you can want it, but you can't need it. Don't inhale it. Appreciate it, but realize it must be sustained intrinsically. Oh, you guys, I have so much more I want to say about perfectionism. Seriously, I'm such a nerd. You should see the pages and pages of copious notes I've compiled. I'll save more for another day. I hope I've convinced you by now that perfectionism is not a virtue, but a dangerous vice. One that we need to eradicate and work to deconstruct from our thought processes. I will end this podcast with the most compelling reason I've found yet to make sure perfectionism is weeded out of me. Over the past few weeks, I've been binge watching The Chosen, listening to the book Beautiful Outlaw, and following a few podcasts, all of which have blessed me with a clearer picture of Jesus Christ. As I've been pondering the stories of Jesus and truly understanding more about the culture and society at the time of his mortal life, I came to a shocking realization. Perfectionism is something Christ fought against and rebuked at every turn. By analyzing Christ's interactions with others, it's blatantly clear to see he reprimanded those that were trying to be perfect, and he embraced those with imperfections. Let me explain. The Pharisees were striving to be perfect. They even made 613 extra rules to help the Jews stay obedient to the law perfectly. The Sadducees and Pharisees were churchgoers. They were the ones who were trying to keep every single rule and do everything right. And Christ called them out over and over again. It's because they were missing the mark. They were trying to earn their way to heaven. It wasn't a matter of the heart anymore. They had turned the gospel into checklists, making a show of impressing others with their scriptural knowledge and their performance-based measures of righteousness. Their hearts, their motivations for doing all the things. It was out of duty. It was to be seen of men. It was to earn a reward, not because they loved Jesus Christ. Their hearts were far from him. In fact, most of them didn't even recognize Christ even as he performed undeniable miracles and gave them signs of his godhood. Christ breaks all the rules of the time, and in doing so, exposes the perfectionism. I love it. I ask you, who did Christ choose to spend most of his time with? Who did he ask to be his disciples? Who did he teach and give miracles to? It was the outcasts the rejected, the marginalized, those that the perfect Pharisees would call sinners. Never once did Christ rebuke or condemn these far from perfect individuals or tell them, shape up, get your life in order. No, he could have, and he had every reason to, but nope. He offered them mercy, acceptance, forgiveness, grace, and miracles. The pattern I was shown through these shows, books, and podcasts was, mercy for the outcasts, and rebuking for the self-righteous churchgoers. In our transactional society, it's easy to think, if I do all the good things, God will love me. But if that was the truth, Christ would have gone straight to the synagogue, been best friends with the Pharisees, and the most righteous would have been his favorites, 
because they were doing everything by the letter of the law, plus adding more. But no, Christ chastised them. If doing all the things earns us heaven, then this is self-salvation. The Pharisees didn't need a savior. The truth is, Christ loves us in our brokenness. Because only when we are broken can we remake ourselves into something more like him. Learning comes through mistakes. We will fail and mess up and fail again until we finally get it right through genuine learning and growth. This growth and learning is dependent on the failures and the mess ups. When we take away trying to earn God's approval, we land in obeying simply because we love him. The question is, who are you most like? The Pharisees, who are self-satisfied because of obedience to rules and checking of boxes, who demand strict obedience and perfect execution of the law, who are churchgoers trying to do all the things, trying to be perfect, always judging themselves and others, demanding perfection and creating more and more rules on top of rules to ensure perfection, who are overly concerned about being seen as perfect by others. Or are you more like the sinners and outcasts who fail and mess up, who fall to their knees at the foot of the Savior, begging for mercy, owning their mess ups and asking for help? Stop trying to be perfect. Seriously, stop it. Be good. Yes. Be excellent. Absolutely. But perfect? It's a no. Instead, be flossom. Flossom is an individual who embraces their flaws and knows they are awesome regardless. The truth is, I am not perfect, and that is totally okay. This podcast won't be perfect, and nothing is wrong with that. I will miss some things, trip over my words occasionally, and probably offend some people. It won't be perfect, and that's exactly as it's supposed to be. It is only in an environment where mistakes and failure are welcome that true creativity and innovation can thrive. I choose connection. I choose growth. I choose to own my divine greatness by obliterating perfectionism from my mindset. I hope I've inspired you to do the same and given you some practical strategies and tools to do just that. I love you. Like Brene recommends, stay awkward. And remember, even in your messiness and flaws, you are designed for greatness. If you enjoy this podcast, you will love my free tutorial, Three Secrets You Wish You Knew 15 Years Ago. If you are to truly eliminate perfectionism and step into your divine greatness, it is imperative you learn to live with a mind firmly aligned, a body purposefully loved, and a spirit powerfully accessed. This free video will teach you about your brain and help you start on the path to truly owning your thoughts. I can't wait to get you started. Click on the link in the show notes or go to my website, candacenoss.com to get it. And don't forget, you are designed for greatness. Greatness.